Please turn to Matthew 5. Por favor. Cinco de Mateo or something like that. Um, improper terminology. You know, you're in the corner. Can't see your face. Hunter is hiding your face from me. But that's okay. I mean, I can kind of see you. <laughs> yeah, Hunter, everyone on the podcast, if you're listening on the podcast right now, text Hunter and tell him how awesome he is. How? Nope. Huh? Yeah, you got to come to Ramp next year. We won't love you more if you come to the ramp. Um, anyway, so Matthew 5. So, like, before Christmas, maybe, I don't remember, um, I did part one of this message, message um, which was called Happy. And this is Happy Part 2. Um, so go to, to Matthew 5. There's a cool... Yeah, happy part one. This will be happy part two. Real, real simple. Um, I actually don't know what the exact verse is that I'm starting with. Mm, where's the Holy Bible? Uh, what's happening right now? Someone's going to the bathroom. No worries. Oh, no. Don't fall over a chair. If you're listening on the podcast, Jalen is leaving, and we're really sad. She's really sorry, and we're really sad. All right, we're going to be starting off in verse 6. Sorry, you guys on the podcast, you probably just like, we're like, what is going on? If anyone is actually listening to this. Corey. Corey's listening to this. Um, <laughs> so let's read through this real quick, um, and then we'll talk about, I'll do just like at the briefest of not even a review, I'm not going to review it, but just what is said there. So again, this is part two of this. What's happening over here? Always. Okay, perfect. Um, Jesus is up like on a mountain. We'll start with verse one, and we'll read through verse uh, 12. This is an ESV version. But you can read whatever version you want. So seeing the crowds, he, he being Jesus, went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So he's sitting on a mountain, maybe a big hill, a big area where people talk. Um, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, this is verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That's what we're going to pick up this week. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, if you were here before, you heard me say that you can like take out the word blessed and put happy. Um, I keep thinking that this is a thing with pockets. It's not. I'm like, where's the pocket? Um, so take out the word blessed and you can just say happy. So happy is the, you know, happy is the man who puts his trust in the Lord. Happy is the. I can't. I don't even know the verses. So this is terrible. I can't. Even, I'm sorry. Happy was a what? Oh, penguin, happy feet. Yes, that is a penguin, but it's also what we're going to use to take out the word exchange for blessed. So the world has like its ideas of happiness, but in the Bible, um, Jesus lays out these beatitudes here. And I, there's a whole lot I could cover on this that goes in a little bit deeper, some interesting things, contrasting the beatitudes with um, like the law and how he lays out blessings instead of curses. Like the law was basically like, if you do these things, you're going to die. The Beatitudes is, if you do these things, you get blessings, pretty much. Blessings equal happiness. So he goes through like this list of things um, in the Beatitudes, Jesus does, of what it means to be happy in the kingdom. So, and all I could do, we could do messages on each one of these things, they get even deeper as you like go down the list, but we don't have time for that. Um, but if if you're looking for something to study, Matthew five is a great place to study. Jesus covers like so much good stuff. If you don't know what to be reading in your Bible right now, Matthew five is a great place to start. Um, especially the Beatitudes. There's a lot in there of like what they all individually mean. Some of them may stand out to you more than another. Um, so the first few we're not going to cover because I covered them already. And But the first few are blessed are the poor in spirit. They'll get the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they'll be comforted. And then blessed are the meek for they'll inherit the earth. And then where we're going to lift off today is <clears throat> blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be satisfied. So if you read the, I think this is, the message version, I looked at a couple different versions. I feel like I'm a little loud. Like you can hear my breathing, my, my nose <laughs> breathing. Maybe I should hold it down here. To me, I can hear my breathing. I'm like, I don't really want to hear myself breathing. Oh, well, thank you so much. Oh, my breathing is also beautiful? Oh, okay, well, I can hear myself. Yeah, nope. Is it better? Yes, this is better. Yep. Okay, sorry. Okay, so in the message version, if you want to look that up, you can, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. 
He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. So I, when I read this, I like, I like looking at the other versions of things sometimes when it sounds like a little bit like too spiritual. I'm like, I don't really know what this means. So I'll go and look at like the message version or the passion translation. Um, and it kind of gives you a little bit like more understanding of what they're trying to say. Sometimes they skew things like where I'm like, I'm not sure that's what that really means. Um, but this one was really interesting. So hunger and thirst for righteousness. So when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how like when we're hungry and we're thirsty, it is like it determines our day, right? Like I don't know about you, but like I change my day and I move my day around according to like when I'm hungry. Obviously, like if you're hungry, like you stop everything if you can to eat, right? Like you you change your life around getting meals, getting food in your body, getting specific food in your body, like when you're craving something specific, you're like, I'm gonna get that thing and I'm gonna go out of my way to go to Chick-fil-A even though I live like 30 minutes from there, I'm gonna go out of my way to get there. So I was thinking about that and how it's very interesting that he uses this language here for righteousness and then when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we become satisfied, which is interesting. It's not like a satisfaction that is once. It's actually like a continuous satisfaction, like a continuous filling. So let's leave hunger and thirst there for a second and address righteousness because I was confused about that for a second also. So righteousness... If you want to write this down, if you're taking notes, I highly suggest, yeah, type it, write it in your head, in the typing. Mm -hmm. Righteousness is basically, if you want to just really make it super simple, is right standing before God. I believe that there are different levels of right standing, of becoming righteous, so, like, you have the first level of right standing is Jesus just going to the cross and you accepting him as your Savior, and you get right standing immediately when you accept him. So you get access to heaven immediately. You get that righteousness that gives you the, the opportunity to stand before him and him not say, you have to go to hell, you have sin in your life. So that's what happens first with righteousness. But there is more beyond just that moment. You can stop there. Absolutely, you can stop there at righteousness, at the base level of just basic right standing. But there is actually more beyond that. And that is what he's talking about here. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, um, I'm not getting enough air. Um, you have the opportunity to actually desire for your body, your soul, and your mind to actually be like Jesus's. So righteousness is not just right standing, but it's actually becoming more and more like Jesus. I want to think like Jesus. I want to talk like Jesus. I want to love like Jesus. I want to act like Jesus. And that's really like the simple, the simple way of putting it. There's more beyond that, like, 
becoming like God, be holy for I'm holy. There's some verses like that in the Bible that are scary, like I don't want to be holy. That sounds scary. Um, but that is where he says you can find true contentment is seeking after becoming like Jesus. It is a satisfaction that actually never goes away. It's something that is very different from like when we hunger and thirst for things of the world or we hunger and thirst for food, for people's approval of us maybe. Um, hungering and thirsting for our lives to be daily changed, our minds to be daily changed, our emotions to be daily changed and to be adapted to the way that he thinks. He says that that actually brings us true contentment. And I want you guys to think about what true contentment is. When I was thinking about what contentment means to me, and I might even get emotional because it's like it was this very beautiful moment that I just crafted in my head um, when I was thinking about what it means. To me, it means it might mean something different to you, but it's that feeling of like when you're at a table with a bunch of people, a bunch of people that you're super close with, that you feel really great with, there's no weird stuff between anyone at the table, and you've all just had like a big meal together of like your favorite food, and you've sat down and you're done eating, and it's just like that feeling of, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I do this a lot, um, like when you sit back and observe, and you're just like, wow, that was really great. Like, what's happening before me right now? Have you guys ever done that? Like, to sit back and observe and be like, this is actually really beautiful. That moment happened to me um, when we were at Olive Garden at the ramp, just watching you guys over there, just like chatting up all the things and eating our fake Italian food. Um, it was just, it was special to me. I was just like, I have a full circle. It was just like, I have all the things I need right now. Everything is great. I'm super tired. It doesn't matter. Um, but all things are well. And that to me is like what contentment feels like. Um, it's just like a big smile on my face, a big internal smile. I don't know if that makes sense, but just like a big internal smile. Um, and that's kind of like what seeking after righteousness is like. Um, it's not. It's not like this big high of excitement um, that you get when you get a new thing or you go see a new movie. Um, and like you're really excited for it, like the anticipation of it. It's like this big internal kind of warm smile, if that makes sense. So I want you guys to ask yourself, I have a question for you to ask yourself at the end of each of these. Um, what in my life do I endlessly chase that never seems to satisfy? What in my life do I endlessly chase that never seems to satisfy? And it could be people's approval. It could be that, that feeling of like winning. Like you love that feeling of winning. It could just be like vegging out, like that feeling of contentment to you. Or maybe it's just like checking out. Um, it could be just like the feeling of being secure, of having your future planned of having everything go your way, that could be like what you endlessly chase. But it never, you never seem to like really get a grasp on it, if that makes sense. So I want you guys to think about that. I'm gonna jump to the next one now, because there's a lot of things to cover. 
Um, so blessed are the merciful. They will receive mercy. So here's some other fun statements. You're happiest when you get revenge, right? That's when you're happiest. It's the best feeling in the world is to get revenge, right? You're happiest when you like get the last word in of that like argument and you get just like the perfect remark finally comes to you and you finally have that moment where you're not thinking about it later and you actually get that last word in. Like that that's that's when you're happiest in your life, right? Or you're happiest like when you tell someone how big of a screw up they are when they made a mistake, yes. Yeah, that's the best feeling, right? Yeah, that's the opposite of what this verse is saying right here. <laughs> it's saying, blessed, happy, happy are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. So you're happiest actually when you let people off the hook because there will come a moment in your life when you're a big fat screw up and you need somebody to let you off the hook. And because you showed mercy at another point, there's gonna be someone there for you to let you off the hook. And I definitely find, and I've definitely seen in other people's, not just other people's life, my own life, other people's lives as well, let's be honest, um, that people who are quick to judge, quick to jump down people's throats, quick to have something to say when somebody messes up, there's not really anyone there to defend them when they, like, screw up royally, right? Um, I find that a lot of times it's like the Lord has your back. He's like, I saw your moment of mercy, and now when you screw up, I'm going to have make sure that you're covered and you get mercy. This is a law. These are laws, our new laws in the Bible. So this is just what you get in the kingdom. When you're merciful, you get mercy returned back to you. Um, and I think it's really easy, especially with the people that you're closest to in your life. This one is the hardest one, I think, with the people who you're closest with. Because We were talking about this um, with some friends, how it's difficult with like your parents what they see like the worst of you, right? They get the worst side, the worst side of you. You could be nice to everyone, and you out of nowhere. Like I, I used to do this a lot. I still do this. My mother, my poor mother, gets like the worst attitude out of me, and I'm like, later, five minutes later, I'm like, I was such a jerk. I need to go back and apologize. I would never talk to anybody else the way that I talk to her sometimes. And I'm like, what did she do to deserve? She didn't say anything. She triggered me for sure. Like she said something that triggered me, but um, that's no excuse. Um, and I was a jerk to her. And so I think that a lot of times the people that are, we're closest to are the people that get the short end of mercy in our lives, our brothers. Yeah, nobody has a brother in this room. Sisters. Our moms and dads, we have a hard time, like, letting them off the hook, right? It's really hard to let your parents off the hook, I know, personally. I'm just like, why can't you just be perfect and never make mistakes like me? Like, I don't ever make mistakes. Can you just be perfect? Um, it's just so hard to let them off the hook, right? But the Holy Spirit says, blessed are the merciful, happy are the merciful, 
because they receive mercy back to them. So here's a question. On a scale of 1 to 10, you guys know numbers, right? You know what those mean? Okay. How easy is it for you to let people off the hook and give them the benefit of the doubt? One being it's really hard, like you have a hard time with it. Ten being I'm a master, like that's not my, I have other issues, but that's probably not my issue. Ten. Doesn't matter. One through five, if you want to do one through five. Overall throughout time, yes. That's a good point. You still struggle with it, though. Yeah, I can repeat the question. On a scale, of, we're changing the scale to one to five. So on a scale of one to five, how easy is it for you to let people off the hook and give them the benefit of the doubt? Six. All the time. Jesus said, forgive 49 times 49 times, or whatever, seven times 70 times. I just said that wrong. <laughs> the fact that you're all trying to give caveats right now to the question just is the problem, and that explains why. You're like, but what if this, but what if that? Those are things are valid for sure. Your questions are valid, but it says, blessed are the merciful, so you'll receive Mercy. You will receive mercy. So if you would like more mercy in your life, apply mercy to all. Now, this we can go into talking about boundaries and how toxic people are bad, and we do have to cut them out of our life. We all know that. We don't need to go in that lesson right now. But Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Let's work on mercy, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. I don't know what verse this is. Shh. Sounds like we have some mercy work to do. Next one. This one is uh, it's getting like it gets a little deeper as we go on. It gets a little more like oh, like I don't even have a question for this next one to ask you because it's so like I don't know, just something you have to contemplate. So blessed are the pure in heart; they will see. God, pure in heart, they'll see God. Not blessed are the pure in eyes, they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Not blessed are those that talk purely. Blessed are those who never cuss. Blessed are those who only watch G-rated movies. Blessed are those who like don't go too far with their boyfriend or girlfriend. That's not what this says. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. So it's interesting to think about like the differentiation. So weird, that's a long word. What Jesus is actually trying to say here. So you guys know like about the Pharisees and stuff in that time, right? They were all about like keeping the outside of their life super clean. They looked like they were doing all the right things, but they were their hearts were evil. They crucified Jesus. Okay? So they were doing literally everything right perfection on the outside but their hearts were literally full of so much evil 
because they did not recognize Jesus in his time. They didn't see him as for who he was. They could not see him because they had only pure actions and not a pure heart. And so this is like a low-key, um, I don't know what you want to call dig at that Pharisee heart. If you've been in Sunday morning service, we've been talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and the religious spirit. That is what this is. Um, it's a nasty thing that gets in your heart and tells you that you're a really good person and that you're doing enough and you don't actually get to know Jesus for who he is. Um, and I think a lot of times, especially for you guys, as you're, you're young, when you're, when you're little and you're coming up in church, you're like, okay, give me the list. Like, what am I supposed to do? Do's and don'ts. Doing what my parents had to do. And you get those down. As you get older, you're like, these are hard to keep all these things. Some get some of them right, some of them wrong. Whatever, I don't know. It's hard to do. And then as you get older, you kind of realize it doesn't really satisfy. It's a little bit empty, right? Just, just hitting the checklist of, like, being the good kid. Um, it has its limits to what it gives you. And that's because the motivation is not just to be a good person. The motivation for having a pure life is to actually see God, to actually know him. And I think a lot of times we keep our lives pure in order to avoid feeling guilty, in order to avoid getting in trouble, in order to avoid um, somebody looking at us with shame not actually, our motivation is not actually to know Jesus more. And that is actually way more powerful of a motivator than just staying out of trouble. Than just like, that's why people don't do it. They can't keep up with it because it's not actually a powerful enough motivator, shame, avoiding shame and guilt, avoiding getting in trouble, avoiding punishment, all those things. That's not actually a powerful enough motivator. So we can't keep up with that to-do list, right? The list of stuff, all of that, like watching, keeping your eyes pure, keeping your relationships pure, keeping your mouth pure, your talk pure, your actions pure, all of that is important. But if it's not actually motivated by trying to know Jesus more, you'll never be able to keep up with the list. You just won't. And that's where we get into hypocrites. People who keep up with the list sometimes but don't actually know Jesus and their actual true character hasn't been affected by his true character, that's where you get that. So I don't really have a question for you in that one because it's honestly a little bit of a deep one. But I'm just going to end with just saying that you're happy when you seek purity in order to see God better. And I'll repeat that for you. You're happy when you seek purity in order to see God better. When, you're, when you're, you're seeking purity and it's actually making your vision of God crisper. It's making it clearer as you're seeking purity. It's not giving you more approval from other people. It's not making your parents happier with you. Those could all be byproducts, whatever. 
The goal is to have your vision of Jesus, to be able to see him more clearly for who he is, not like the Pharisees who saw him as a literal demon. They were crazy. They thought he was a literal demon, thought he was full of demons. They didn't see him. They couldn't see him. And that's what happens when we just, like, keep up with the rules, keep up with the actions. It's not affecting us in a hard place. Yes. They just ate jelly sandwiches. That was good. Hunter just said that the Pharisees only ate jelly sandwiches because of the, the jealousy. That was great. Okay. So the next one that we're going to jump to... Huh? Millionaire Minds. We need to start a Millionaire Mind Club. Um, the next one is, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now this like maybe sounds easier than being pure in heart, because that sounds like a big undertaking to make your heart pure, right? You'll work on that for your whole life, probably. But blessed are the peacemakers, for you'll be called sons of God. So I'll say this. You're happy when you resolve conflict because then you look like you belong to God. You're happy when you resolve conflict, not start trouble and start talk. That's what Satan likes to do. So Satan, let's talk about what Satan loves to do. Happy when you resolve conflict because then you look like you belong to God. You look like his son. You look like his little boy, like his little girl. If somebody sees you doing that and they say, that looks like somebody that belongs to God. Um, Satan loves to stir up trouble. He loves to stir the pot. He loves to get people talking about each other. He really loves to turn like a one person against one another. He likes to see hatred and jealousy form between two people. Um, and then he loves to eventually see a complete break of relationship between two people. Like he gets a thrill out of that. What we see in the Bible over and over again, and from the very beginning, is that God loves this idea of restoration and bringing people together. That's what he did from the very beginning in the garden. This whole thing has been about bringing people together, right? There was a big separation between us and him, and he was like, all right, Jesus, you're the peacemaker. You're going to go between us, and you're going you're gonna to fix this. So Jesus is a peacemaker. Let's just make the big jump here. Also, he's the son of God. So I think that Jesus himself is making quite the statement saying, like, if you do what I did, you're also going to be called a son of God. I'm the son of God. You're going to be called a son of God. So that's a fun little um, revelation for us there. But I would like to say that peacemaking is not passive. It's actually active. And peacemaking, as a, as a caveat, peacemaking is very different from peacekeeping. Peacekeeping is impossible, and you can't keep peace 100% of 
at all times. That's it's not possible. Um, there are people who don't want conflicts to be resolved and who want to just be stubborn, and that's okay. We leave them alone. We're not trying to control anybody. You can see in Jesus, like in the Father, He loves to bring restoration between us, but He's not going to force it on us. He's not going to force it. Somebody who's trying to keep peace constantly keeps himself very busy, constantly going between everyone, trying to fix everything, make everything perfect so nobody hates each other. That's not what we were really talking about here. We're not really talking about <clears throat> coming between like everybody and trying to fix everyone's relationships. Peacemaking is about, in the moment, um, speaking well of another person. Peacemaking is about choosing to see the best in someone and also helping others see the best in them so that there can be um, restoration. Because you can kind of contrast it if you're not sure exactly like what peacemaking looks like. Contrast it with what you think the enemy would do. He, when he hears something going on, he like blows it out of proportion and he wants you to see the worst in someone around you. And he wants you to stir up trouble so that it eventually leads to a divide in relationship. So peacemaking is actually very active, and it's not passive. It's not you just saying nothing when somebody is saying something about someone. It's you, <clears throat> sorry. It's you saying something and choosing to pull the gold out of that person. Not the crap. There's crap in there. There's crap in there, okay? There's definitely crap in there. Pull the gold out of that person and show that gold to the person that is trying to say crap about them say yeah there's some of that in there but I see like a lot of good I see a lot of gold in that person um, and I'm choosing to see where they could go choosing to see their potential not all this other stuff because that's what brings people together is when we're able to see the best in each other and choose the best over seeing the worst which always causes divide it's a really hard way to have a relationship. So, here's your question. In conflicts and offenses, because we all have conflicts and offenses, do I choose to be passive or active in mending a relationship? So, do I choose to be passive or active in mending a relationship. Don't confuse peacemaking with doing nothing and just seeing what happens. Okay. We're going to go to the last one, and that is they're kind of tied together. Um, I, for a while, kind of thought they were separated into two separate things, but upon review and upon reading commentary, when they did not talk about them separately, I was like, oh, I think that the second one clarifies the first one. So that's what we're going to go with for tonight. Maybe upon further study, I will realize, oh, they're separate, but for tonight, we're going to see that they're together. So blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Remember that word, righteousness? right standing, being like Jesus, for righteousness' sake. 
for they will receive, or I don't remember the exact word, they will receive the kingdom of heaven. And then the next one is, blessed are you when people revile, persecute, and utter evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice, be glad, your reward is great in heaven. So that's kind of a clarification of like maybe what's happening. You'll get the kingdom of heaven. Your reward will be great in heaven. For today, we're just going to assume we're going to lump all that together as we talk about what this means. So the simple version that I have of this is you'll be happy. This is a mind-bending happy thing. You'll be happy when people don't treat you fairly because you look, act, love, and talk like Jesus. So you'll be happy somehow when people don't treat you fairly because you look, act, love, and talk like Jesus. And that is... Because you, you can say whatever you want. Look, act, talk, smell like Jesus. Everything like Jesus. Yeah, maybe taste. Maybe. I don't know. Because you look like Jesus. You can just say look like Jesus. Um, and this is an interesting one. When I was reading the commentary... Um, it really like hit me. One of the questions it asked was, if no one is speaking evil of you, if no one is, this isn't happening to you, are these things really in your life? Are you really pursuing righteousness? Are you really pursuing those things? Um, that was like a big heart check for me because I was like, I can't think of anyone. I'm a really nice person. So anytime anyone, I'd like, I smooth over all the things, all any rough edge that I could have that, that looks like Jesus that might offend somebody. I immediately like make up for it and like say, but this and this and this and this. Don't worry. Like I'm not, well, you know, I have all these other things that I like add to it to water it down and make it not seem so offensive. Um, and so that was a big heart check for me. He says you'll be happy, not because of something that will happen here, not because of anything that will happen here on earth. Obviously, there is a lot of reward to living a life of righteousness. Here, you'll see people saved, delivered, set free. You'll live a life like Jesus and see everything that Jesus saw. Um, but he's saying even beyond that, you'll be happy because your reward will be great in heaven. I There's a lot of, we could speculate about what that reward is. I'm sure it's a lot of different things. Seeing people that you know, that you love, that you brought to Jesus there with you, how mind-blowingly amazing could that be to see somebody that you led to Jesus there in heaven? Um, but also just to be there in heaven. There's a lot of talk in the Bible about rewards and houses and stuff like that. Really cool stuff that Jesus has in heaven he's preparing for us. 
um, I think the best reward is just to like get a closer seat to the throne. I think that's maybe something that you get because if you look at the disciples um, who sacrificed a lot and who were very persecuted, they became like the elders around the throne. Like they're the closest ones to the throne. So I don't know, speculation, but I think like your reward can be a closer seat to the throne. Um, which could be really cool. Um, but, yeah, let's just go back to that idea of if nobody's speaking evil against you, are these things really in your life? Are you really pursuing a life of righteousness? Are you, and then, to, because righteousness always sounds like a crazy word, are you pursuing a life that looks like Jesus' life? That's all that means. Are you living a life that looks like Jesus? Because Jesus had a lot of people that, that loved him, that followed him, that were obsessed with him. But there was a lot of people that hated him. Um, there were some people that were like, eh, about him. But there was a lot of like love and hate going on. There was not a whole lot in the middle because he was so really divisive. Um, because he was such a big presence. And I think our goal is certainly not to make people angry with us, obviously. Like, you don't take that away from this. Um, you know, go back to the merciful. But our goal definitely should be to have a life that looks as much like Jesus' life and not be worried about offending, not be worrying about protecting our image about protecting our comforts, protecting our relationships, because Jesus wasn't. He wasn't worried about protecting any of those. He knew that the Father had his back. He knew that he would cover him in whatever. So he was just obedient. Yeah. So I think that's a hard kind of question to ask ourselves I think as we're even looking at this whole list, because this, I would say, all of this is pursuing a life that looks like Jesus. All of this is pursuing a life of, of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. So if those things aren't happening in our life, are we actually pursuing true happiness would be the question that I would ask you. Or are you pursuing a life of what the world defines as happiness? Because um, he gives all of these, these blessings that you get when you pursue what he said, what Jesus said. Literally, the words that came out of Jesus' mouth, these were words that he said leads to happiness. So if we're not experiencing happiness, if we're not experiencing persecution, if we're not experiencing mercy, if we feel like we're not close to God and we can't see him, um, we go back up to the top. You know, if we feel like we're not being comforted, then are we really pursuing a life that looks like Jesus' life? Are we really pursuing a kingdom life? And I would say for a lot of us, it's probably the answer is no, or it's like some watered-down version of, of something on this list. It's like the easy version of it. Because it comes with a lot of costs, 
of course, but it comes with a lot of blessings as well. So many blessings for happiness. And I think for me, can use this as almost like a, I don't even know, like a checklist or like a guidepost when I go to make decisions, when I go to interact with people in my life and I don't know how to react or I don't know like what to do if I'm in a decision point of my life and I need to decide what does a kingdom decision look like? What would Jesus do in this situation? Okay, if you're really going to do the full WWJD, like you can come back to this, to this list and see Jesus pursued happiness as it involves the kingdom. And he nailed every single thing on this list. And if we're not, if I'm confused about what I should be doing in my relationships, um, in my future, in my decisions for my life, I can come back to this to kind of check my own heart and see kind of where I've been going. And have I been pursuing what he defines as happiness or have I been pursuing like what the world says will bring, will bring me blessings and bring me happiness? Because they have their own ideas. It's opposite of most of these things. You know, it's the blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Nope, it's like blessed are the arrogant. They, they'll get everything because they're loud and they demand things. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they'll be content, they'll be satisfied. That's not like what the world says brings contentment and satisfaction. It's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. It's like hungering and thirsting for a job with a three-figure or six-figure salary, not three-figure. <laughs> Don't 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 look for a job with a three-figure salary. <laughs> Ooh, that's a ba- that's a bad one. <laughs> Maybe yeah, like you know, hundred thousand dollars and up a year. Yes, Mariah's confused on what a six-figure salary means, but yeah, like a hundred thousand dollars and up salary. Three three figures would be like. Yeah, nine hundred dollars a year max. It means you would make like ninety dollars a month. Like fifty dollars a month is what you'd be making. Not that it's much higher than the three-figure salary, I'm sure. But anyways, that's the kind of thing like the world says. Like seek after that. Seek after like your dream home. Seek after. Um, your soulmate, and that will bring you contentment and satisfaction, right? Everybody is so much about, like, this person that will satisfy your deepest desires of your heart, and that one person is definitely out there, and they're going to make you happy forever. Um, that's a lie, for sure. That The person is not out there, um, because real relationships are hard, and there's no magic person out there. There's just a person trying hard, and you're a person trying hard. And if you have Jesus, it's easier. So, <laughs> so yeah, I would just, I would, at the end of the day, come back to what kind of happiness are you seeking after? And just come back to this list 
um, to really check your heart. If you're in a season where you're like fighting depression, these are literally things where you can check your heart and say like, am I, am I doing these things? Does my life have any of this in it? Because if it doesn't, there might be a reason why you've been headed towards that depressed state. I know that's something that like a lot of maybe you guys or your friends struggle with. Um, and that's something for you to think about. Bye, Bella. Love you. <laughs> Bella is leaving, for those of you on the podcast. <laughs> nope. You'll see Hunter again. Okay. Anyways, that's what I have for you guys tonight. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to pray really quick. Um, and ask the Holy Spirit to do his work in that. Um, So, Father, we just thank you so much. Thank you for sending Jesus and telling him to sit on that mountain that day and say all those things so that we have a way of of knowing how your kingdom works, what it means to be happy, how to get happiness, because we certainly don't have any of it figured out. Um, so I just thank you for your wisdom. Thank you um, for your son. And I just ask right now that you would let these words sink into every heart in this room and every mind in this room. Um, I ask that you would bring it back to the forefront of their mind, even this week, um, as they're spending time with you, just to go back over and just to ask themselves these questions. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just, you're the only one that can bring conviction. You're the only one that can bring repentance. So I ask that you would just even highlight maybe certain ones that stand out to them. Um, I ask that you would highlight those to us. Because we we want true happiness. We want true contentment, true satisfaction. Um, when we're left to like our own, we just, we do it wrong. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know what makes us happy. Um... So I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just give us the wisdom. Would you just draw us to you, even in this season? I just feel you drawing us to know you on a deeper level. Just as tonight, as we just like surrendered our hearts to you, we surrendered our lives to you daily. We surrender what our ideas look like for our life. This is surrendering, pursuing this is surrendering our idea of what happiness looks like. And I just thank you that you're drawing us to you in this season, that you're drawing us closer. And I ask that you would be even closer to every person in this room, the ones that are seeking you, the ones that want to hear your voice and feel your nearness. I ask that you would show up, Holy Spirit, this week in their lives and in their times with you, that they would feel you. And we love you, Father. I ask just for blessings on each person in this room, that you would bless them with safety and protection and favor over their life. I just speak favor over every single person in in this room and just blessing on on their life and everything that they do. In Jesus' name.